whether you're in this room or you're online, uh, if you're typically an Easter Sunday attendee, you know the story most likely. Um, and yet, oftentimes I think what happens is because we know the story so well, we kind of have a nice bow on it and we kind of think about how wonderful it is, which it is. He's risen. We understand the, the significance of today. And yet, as some have said in this program so far, today is like every Sunday, in a way, thanks to Jesus. Today's like every day, in a way, because the sun comes up each morning and we hope that that's the day that he returns. So I tell you, what I've heard this morning from those participating in this is just awesome. The children reading uh, the ladies and gentlemen reading both scripture and also um, some meditation or devotional type thoughts from scripture. So I've put something together for us to think through. And first, I'd just like to pray real quickly, and then we'll go through it together. Father God, as your spirit is in all of us who have joined in death with Jesus and in the resurrection with Jesus, we ask that you knit us all together and you make us the Easter people that John was talking about, the body of Christ in the world, through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in the Son's name, Jesus the Christ. Amen. There's just going to be some images on the screen. I just want us to think about a couple of things. Um, God helps us see ourselves in the story through the eyes of the characters. Sometimes the characters in the story are the characters, and we think, wow, that must have been interesting or, or uh, scary or whatever the emotion might be, but sometimes the characters in the story are us, and we hear things and we have touch points that really bring our lives uh, to the forefront and to the center of the story. So we've heard terms when we've been talking about the chosen, the backstory idea, filling in information. What we're going to do this morning is kind of take all of the different gospel accounts and blend them together a little bit, but the best backstory content is our own. It's when we hear and feel what it would have been like to have been there, to have been present. So let's enter the story together. Everything was crazy. For years, it sounded like things were going to be permanently changed. Jesus was not like any other human being. He was the answer we were all looking for our whole lives. Mary and the other women were looking on from a distance and they thought, he'll come down off that cross. He will. They knew he'd raise Lazarus. He surely could protect himself. But instead, Jesus died. And as John walked us through at communion, whew, what happened? What now? What's going on? Without Jesus, did everything revert to the same state it was in before? Will evil and human governments and religious politics resume as if Jesus was not the Christ. The women wondered what their money was spent on and how they'll get back the years they placed everything in their lives on hold for what they thought Jesus of Nazareth was saying and teaching who they believed Jesus to be. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus came and requested the dead body of Jesus. This was real. They watched him get carried off. Mary Magdalene and the others were sitting there watching it all take place in complete shock. 
I guess we just return to our previous ways. What else would we do? It didn't work. It apparently wasn't what we thought. Without Jesus, Mary and the women observed the Sabbath as usual. Jesus had said, remember it. An entire day contemplating, what now? What do we believe? We doubt what we thought we believed yesterday. Yahweh, do you hear us? Simply out of control. Totally out of control. We don't know what to think anymore. We don't know even what to do. We don't even know what we believe. Do we return to our own authority? Or maybe for us, in 2023, do we live as, as, as if Jesus is dead? Today we might ask, do we grab our guns, stuff away our money and our food, and wait for Jesus to act the way we think he should act? Well, without answers, they returned to the only thing they knew before Jesus. It was the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was a time that you didn't do anything. And boy, that was a long night. It finally came to an end. Mary and the women didn't sleep a wink. They'd talked all night. They'd questioned all night. The sun was starting to come up. The first day of the week had arrived while they were attempting to process all of their questions and their emotions. Free to return to work and normal activity, with the Sabbath over, they headed to the tomb of Jesus to go anoint his body with spices. And they thought, who will roll away the stone for us when we get there? Who will let us into the tomb so that we can anoint him with the spices that we've collected? Great, now what? An earthquake? Really? Apparently, nature is as disordered and confused as we are. Two angels were there at the tomb instead, and the door had already been opened. The stone already rolled away. And they said Jesus was not in the tomb. He is risen. Go, tell his disciples, even Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. How could that be? How could Jesus be going ahead in Galilee when we saw that he died? We saw his body taken down. We figured that plan was canceled when he died on Friday. Totally confused. So much so, the text even tells us, Mary hears a voice. Why are you crying? Who are you seeking? Mary was touched that the gardener would be so compassionate. Just tell me where you've put him. And I'll take him away, she said. Mary. The voice was so familiar. It is the Lord. It's Jesus. And just then, the other women caught up with Mary. And Jesus said, greetings. And they fell to his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus asked that they go tell the disciples to join him in Galilee, just as the angels had stated earlier. He is not here. When they told him he is not here, when they told them he is not here, it should change everything. It should be life-altering. He is alive. We do not need to attempt to resume control and doubt ever again. If he has defeated death, then the world can be changed. 
The rest of the disciples will be overjoyed, is what the women are thinking. So Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them told these things to the apostles just as Jesus had asked them. But their words seemed like pure nonsense, and the others did not believe them. Peter and John got up and ran to the tomb. They saw only the strips of linen cloth and the face covering laying there where Jesus' body should be. They did not yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. So here's our questions as we turn it over to Les. When will it sink in that Jesus is God? When will the good news actually be something that's not just on Easter morning, but it's all the time? When will humanity relinquish our desire to be in control, to have the answers? When will we allow the risen Jesus to have all authority? The question has been asked, Stan asked it just a moment ago. Now what? Now what? And you just heard the now what? Uh, We have been for a couple of months now in a series based on the very text you just heard. Uh, It's a series that goes throughout this year entitled, As You Go. And we've been looking specifically at the book of Matthew, which is why all the readings today came out of Matthew chapter 27 and Matthew chapter 28 as we looked at the crucifixion, we looked at the burial, we looked at the resurrection, and now we come to the so what And what's fascinating about it is that you have these little verses at the end, and Easter can be so focused on Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, that we don't ask, now what? And yet Matthew uh, ends his gospel with the now what? Go to the mountain that I told you about. That was the instructions to Mary Magdalene, and she tells the apostles. And so they go up there to the mountain in Galilee to which Jesus had directed them. Now, one of the things that's fascinating is that in Matthew's gospel, every time there's a mountain, something important is happening. Matthew 4, 8, Satan takes Jesus to a very high mountain. And he's going to say, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms of the earth. And of course, you get to the mountain here at the end of Matthew, and Jesus says to the apostles, now tell, let me tell you how we're going to claim all the nations of the earth. It's not the devil's way, it's my way. And that's how he ends this amazing gospel. In Matthew chapter 5, he goes up to a mountain to tell us how we are to live as people who follow him. You go to Matthew 14, and you have Jesus going up to a mountain to pray at a very, very critical moment in his ministry, saying, God, I want to make sure I get it right. You go to Matthew 17, and again, he takes Peter and James and John to a high mountain, meets with Moses and Elijah to talk about the very thing we're celebrating today as he is transfigured in front of them. And so why would he not, at the end of his ministry, go up to a mountain where he's going to commission his disciples as if to say to them, here's what you shout from the highest mountain. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. This is the Easter experience for everyone. I mean, either you're going to doubt or you're going to worship him. And sometimes there's going to be a mixture of the two. For the apostles, it was a mixture of the two. 
That word doubt there was last used to Peter in Matthew 14 when he said to Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And you, maybe you remember the story. He gets out of the boat. He starts walking on the water until he looks at the wind and the waves and he begins to sink. And Jesus saves him. Just kind of like he does us. And then says to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But what I love most about Jesus is even though Peter doubted, he didn't kick him out of the boat. He didn't tell him you're no longer an apostle. He basically said, listen, we're going to work on this and we're going to work on it together. And so I don't know where you are this morning when it comes to the story of Jesus and the resurrection. But if you're struggling with doubt, listen, you join a great host of those before and those still alive today who are followers of Jesus, but still sometimes struggle with doubt. It's okay to have doubts. And then Jesus said to them, as Stan mentioned a moment ago, all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth. You want me to tell you why this is important? You want me to tell you why this message I'm going to give you, you've got to take to the world? It's because all the authority of heaven and earth itself is behind it. Jesus said Matthew's gospel had gone all the way back to the book of Daniel and he grabbed a theme out of Daniel. A theme about a man who looked like a son of man who ascended up to heaven. And he was led into the uh, presence of the Ancient of Days in verse 14. And he was given authority. And that's exactly what Jesus is claiming here. Is I have been given authority. And then notice what he says. Glory and sovereign power and all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. In other words, Jesus, as the apostles are worshipping him, says the day will come when there will be people. And by the way, today is a day like that. We're all around the world. People have sung and shouted and praised God for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You go throughout Matthew's gospel and boy, it's just constantly, he's teaching with authority and everybody saw it. The apostles, when he calmed the wind and the sea, said, what in the world, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? And then when he said, You want me to show you what kind of authority I have? Even the authority to forgive sins? He says to a paralytic, take up your mat and walk. And everybody's like, wow, God's given this kind of authority to men? Yes, but not just to men, but to a man named Jesus. And so when all the religious leaders and the chief priests came and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus just basically said, watch and you'll have an answer to your question. And so what do we do? What do we do with the Easter message? Do we just leave and go home and have our ham and our rolls and, you know, just celebrate a beautiful, I mean, end of the day, a beautiful day? I mean, if God ever wanted to illustrate the difference between Saturday and Sunday, it was yesterday and today. I mean, wasn't it yesterday cold and rainy and miserable and today beautiful sunshine, high of 70 degrees. God said, are you listening? Or maybe better, are you watching? So how do you respond? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And you do that by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then you begin the process of making them my disciples by teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. I mean, just as simple 
as that. And then the book ends. Well, one last thing. And so as we leave today, as you go, let me just remind you of two or three things. First of all, take the message of Easter with you and share it. As John said, it's not just a one-day event. It is something that we live into. That empty tomb is what makes the emptiness we sometimes feel tolerable and even victorious. Number two, read Matthew 10 this week. For those of you who are regular attenders here, you know that every week we're going through a chapter in Matthew. Next week's chapter 10. We jumped the gun this week. Next week we're back to chapter 10. Number three, pray. Pray for those who don't know the Easter story. Pray for those in our county. Pray for those in Greenbrier, Ridgetop, Madison, Goodlettsville. Pray for all of those around us. Pray for those online who live in communities where people don't know Jesus. And then finally, remind yourself that last verse of Matthew 28. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're going to sing a couple of more songs as we complete our service today. We have shepherds, uh, elders we call them here at church. Our elders are going to be lining up along the walls. Some will be upstairs in the balcony. We'll have some in the, in the back, or excuse me, in the front lobby here. If you've got a need, a prayer request, if you want to respond to the gospel, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go and share that with one of our elders, and they'd be happy to either pray with you or arrange whatever you need. And we'll be glad to assist in any way that we can. You can do that right now as our shepherds head to the wall as the rest of us stand and sing.